Welcome back. I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor of today's episode of North American Deer Talk, CNE Wildlife Products. CNE Wildlife is a trusted leader in biotechnology for the cervid industry. They offer microencapsulated bacteria products that are research supported through Texas Tech University. With more than 30 years of experience and commitment to all natural probiotics, this product line continues to be a mainstay in herd management programs across North America. And the reason is simple. They are passionate about the cervid industry. They have products for elk, whitetail, muleys, red deer, and more. With products ranging from Fawn Paste and Electromax to Guardian Plus, Whitetail Energy Pack, Jumpstart, or their ever-popular Top Score Extreme, they just flat out work. We've been a CNE Wildlife product user for more than 15 years. To learn more about CNE Wildlife, check out episode 54 of North American Deer Talk, a probiotics masterclass with CNE owner Sadie Horrocks, and give her a call today to start using the products we do here. Hey, it's the Deer Wizard, host of North American Deer Talk. I want to tell you about a great new advertising and research platform that we've developed for you, CWDbreeding.com. You know, as the deer industry continues to mature and develop around chronic wasting disease and its known genetic heritability, resources like CWDbreeding.com become essential tools for deer managers across the country making decisions about their herds. I really wanted a platform that excelled at hosting GEBV and codon markers in a filterable and searchable manner, but I also wanted to have high quality pictures, videos, ages, scores, NADAR numbers, and a whole host of other information to go along with that. This database puts everything in one easy to find location and allows you to access the industry's greatest genetic resources. I look forward to seeing all the great bucks that people have to offer in one easy-to-find location, cwdbreeding.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of North American Deer Talk. We got Jared Berry from Powder Ridge back for another episode. Jared, what's up, man? How much, man? How are you? I am doing pretty good. Just want to take care of some housekeeping. If uh, you're watching on YouTube... Thank you very much. Hit that like button. If you uh, if you want to leave Jared a, a nasty comment, please do so. Right in please the do. comment section, please do. Yeah. Um, if you have nice things to say to me, I certainly accept those. Thank you so much. Um, if you want to listen to us on the podcast, check us out at uh, Amazon Music, Google, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. We're there for you. Um, I want to jump right into it, Jared. I'm going to break the golden rule. Hey, how's your weather been? Been working on that rain gear a little bit, or <laughs> it's been uh, cold and rainy, yeah. um, which we needed the rain. It was dry. We had a dry late winter, early spring. Um, so I guess it no started. Snow. What's that? No. Yeah, there was no snow. Um, I guess I needed the rain because we did some planning last week, and then it started raining. What's today? Tuesday. I think it started raining Friday or Saturday, and um, we had two days of solid Today's rain. Wednesday. Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Yes. Maybe Saturday. I think Saturday started to rain. Um, but it's been rain and rain showers for the last four or five days. Um, cold, but 
we need the rain, so hopefully it warms up here. Next couple of days, it looks like it's going to warm up and get things going. Yeah, it's probably good for, um, you know, if you think about the, you know, natural process of seed germination, like probably pretty decent weather, you know, you get slow germination, um, there's plenty of moisture, and it's not like we go right to 90 degrees and stuff gets smoked out. So um, yeah. when the sun when the sun comes out, though, um, I don't know how much mowing you do, but I do quite a bit of mowing. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be on that mower for a while because stuff's going to really take off. Yeah, I mean, our pens, we had some warm days there a couple weeks ago and our, the, the grass in our pens really started to take off. It's kind of got slower here with the cold weather, but it's with this rain and as soon as we get 70, looks like 70s next week. Mm. Um, not only that, our food plots on the ranch, uh, we seeded a new, a new pen that we're building this summer. So I'm really looking forward to getting some sunshine with all the rain we had here in the last three or four days. Just hope um, it doesn't uh, go dry on us again. So, so you're you're putting in some some new uh, pasture on your on the breeding side of your operation, or or put a new food plot in out in the ranch, or what? Do you, what do you got going? No, we put um, we are we're putting roughly five acres, five five and a half acres of new pens onto our breeding facility. Um, just expanding that a little bit. We need the room. Um, it's mainly mainly uh, an additional buck pen. Um, our production has been pretty good over the last couple of years, or what I should say is better than it's been in the past. So um, certainly, I had three buck. We have three buck. What we called our three buck pens on the farm. Um, two of them really should be one. So I'm just catching up and getting to where I really really want to be for uh, the doe herd we have on the breeding facility at this point. So hopefully um, we'll be knocking that out in hopefully by the end of June, that's all done. Um, just hoping, like I said, if I get some warm weather, I'd like to get that pen established and grass and clovers and everything we planted in there um, prior to putting the fence in, that'd be ideal. And then um, probably even mid summer, I might move a group of yearling bucks over there. If we, if everything goes as planned. Cool. Can never yeah. have too much space. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It's a much it's a much needed um, addition to the farm. I think it'll really for where we're at now. Like I said, it'll really um, benefit benefit how we're managing the farm here, the breeding side of things. We've we've talked a little bit in the past about just general management in uh, you know in breeding facilities, and you know you can talk you can touch on all different aspects of that. But I think you and I both have come to the realization in a in a pretty succinct time frame that pen density is like the most important thing that you can do. And it's, it's, it's important because it's beneficial. Um, care to expand some of your thoughts on that further. Maybe some of yeah, the, that you're seeing. If anybody's paid attention to conversations we've had in the past, I think we, we uh, kind of beat this uh, like a dead horse, but it's um, beat it again. It's, yeah, beat it again because I think it's the most important thing. You obviously got to find that balance of having enough animals to 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 make some money to make your farm make sense. But um, you know, we basically went from trying to do six to eight does per acre on our fawning side of things to three to four, and I've just watched my production per doe just just not skyrocket but increase dramatically over the last few years. And um, and I there's a lot of work that that goes on on top of that as well just just 
maybe rotating pens, maintaining your pens, improving my pens, which I'm kind of been doing the last couple of days, trying to get ready for fawn season, which is going to happen any day here. But um, uh, density is a big thing. I think your animals grow better um, from the time they're fawns all the way to when you have, you know, however old you keep your bucks or keep deer in your facility. I, I think it just does, it does so much to um, increase the health and, and uh, growth of your animals for sure. Um it can't be it can't be overstated. I think density is huge. I think think lots of problems you see in farms, um, including ours in the past. Um, you I would contribute directly to density. We were trying to fix other things, but until we fix that density, nothing was gonna gonna stop the problems we were having. I I really like your comment on um, production per doe, and you know when you look at if you just take pen to paper and just in the simplest terms, look at like how many does you got, how many fawns you, you get, right, that are born, how many fawns you wean, how many fawns you get to, you know, maturity, whatever that means for your operation. Um, it's, you can, it pencils out real quick, right? It's like, you know, you go through years and stuff happens, right? Like, there's no doubt deer do dumb things sometimes. Right. But most of my problems in the past have been self-inflicted and like, you just didn't, you didn't know they were self-inflicted till like somebody just pointed a finger out and just said, Hey, like maybe you should try this and you do it and you're like, Oh, light bulb. Right. Yeah. And just everything gets easier. Um, so you mentioned like increase in health. What does that mean to you? Uh, not having increase in health. Yeah. That, what you said your health mean? got, you said your health, yeah. the health of your herd increased or you had better health. Yeah. yeah no, I know what I said. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> it, uh, it, um, I have less, less health issues, less, less animals to maintain with drugs. Um, certainly I'll keep antibiotics on hand, but I rarely have to use them. Um, uh, on, on top of that, we've talked about this before is, is, is calling calling bad animals bad mm. animals with bad health regardless of pedigree regardless of past production um so I, it's le less maintenance it's it's an easier more relaxed way of, of raising these animals for both them and and for us um less intervention it's it's just complete less intervention with our animals um you know it's 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 rare that it's rare anymore that I am uh, knock on wood. Rare that I'm loading a dart with antibiotics to go treat this or that. Um, it's it's very rare, and uh, hopefully we can maintain that. Um, you know, keep keep our keep our keep our heads focused in, on what we're doing to continue to have less intervention with our animals. Yeah, it's interesting. I um, the I find it more enjoyable when I am working in my, my pens, because like, there was this, there was this kind of level of stress before where you were, you'd go out and like, you didn't, you didn't know if you'd have to treat something. You didn't know if you would find something dead. And I'm mostly talking during fawning season. It was a lot of work right now. I don't mind the work per se, right? I enjoy being outside. I enjoy, you know, just being around these deer but 
I feel like there's a weight, at least for me, that's off my shoulders. Now, I I am, I think, pretty fortunate. I've worked around enough people with deer where I've seen people, especially like in a handling facility, where they just being around deer or darting deer or handling deer, they're high stress people. They're cool people in person, but like they get around and they got to work deer and they just, they lose, they lose it up here. Not like, you know, they're not psychotic, but like you can tell they're stressed. And I've been pretty fortunate where I, I'm, I kind of like forget about it now. Maybe I was high stressed before, but it's just, it's not something that bothers me much anymore. Um, I was, I, I was extremely, I was extremely high stress, uh, <laughs> you know, look, looking back six, eight years ago, 10 years yeah. ago. Um, it was, uh, it's, it's so nice to be where we're at. And thankfully we were, we learned as we went to, to get to where we're at now and hopefully continue to improve. But, um, just even working deer in the barn, I mean, I'm just calm, cool and collected for the most part. I mean, AI comes, I have a little bit of stress, make it hoping all the girls come out of the pens, you know, and into the runway down to the barn without, without much, uh, without any issue there. Um, but after that, you know, it's, it's, uh, calm, cool and collected. And, and it, I think it, I think it all leads right over to your animals. They're generally more calm, cool and collected as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Um, yeah, I know that like, I just don't have that stress level when I go out when I'm tagging does or, or excuse me, tagging fawns or just being out there in the summer, like you can enjoy it. It's a lot more enjoyable, right? Like, Again, like, I, you know, I watched, you know, a buckle snap a main beam or whatever, like that stuff happens, or you'll find a fawn that's dehydrated because it got its head stuck in the fence or, you know, like stuff happens, right? But like, generally speaking, you're not like, you look at the deer every day and you're like, wow, everybody's like just doing what mother nature intended generally. And just they're growing and, you know, the moms are happy, the fawns are growing big, um, and you can focus your work on things like expanding or things like improving instead of chasing fawns around all summer or wondering what's wrong or what's going wrong or spending money on necropsies and all that, all that stuff that it just, it took, it, it was wasted time in my opinion, when I look back, you know, there's, there's, I can be doing much more productive things with my time than, than, you know, treating animals for sickness. Well, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have been doing that, you might wouldn't have be, right. You might still be in doing that today. Yeah. So, technically, it wasn't waste of time, but I, I get your, yeah, 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 you're right. I get your point. No, right. it definitely, it definitely is right. It is waste of time. Um, yeah. Certainly, value in the education to learn from uh, being a worst worst manager than I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I um, I think that. You know, when you look at, I was just talking, I did a, I did a show here that's going to come out uh, soon. It'll probably come out right before this one. And the, um, the gal in my office that works with me on Servit and, and, you know, handles all the books and stuff for Red Ridge. Um, I asked her, I said, come up with 10 questions about uh, deer industry. I had some notes from kind of listener questions if you will and she put this 10 question thing together much like our our show that we did the blind you know the blind questions so she hit me with 10 10 questions blind um and it was it was interesting 
um, because you kind of like we're talking about some of the s same things about just uh, management and pen density and like just like the overall learning process of of deer and where we were way back when to where we are now. Um, it's amazing how much you can learn just if you open your eyes and like let yourself learn if if you could give a if you could give like a piece of advice to people on you know something they could do to improve uh their farm in any capacity what do you think it would be uh try to maintain three to five deer per acre and not have any bare ground on your farm do you think that the I'm sure there's cases where you know you, you quote unquote break those rules um, maybe during AI when you got all your does grouped up or something like that fine um, do you do that in like just is that just like a hard line for pretty much every age class uh, you know gender type Certainly, there's going to be seasonal uh, changes in pen densities. Um, when I look at my farm as a whole and just say, you know, 30 acres of, of breeding pens, maintaining that, you know, 130 to 150 animals um, or, or whatever that number is. Yeah. Yeah. 90 to 120 animals. Usually we're, we're like, I think, 130 or 120 animals right now. Just in my inventory, I should know that. Um, <laughs> but uh, certainly, yes, AI, you know. There's going to be my buck pens are a little higher density in the summer. They're they're somewhere between five to seven. You know, um, my does are when I'm having fawns and fawning season. They're closer to three and a half, maybe pushing four per acre. So yeah, there's there's changes in the time of year. I think an animal like a yearling bucks or if they are two year old bucks, yearling bucks, three year old bucks, their immune systems hopefully have um, are strong enough to handle those pressures. I think when I talk. And maybe we do confuse some people. Or I confuse some people when I say three to three to five. I, I guess I'm thinking more of the most vulnerable time of a deer's life, and in my opinion, that's when there are those fawns from that day one till you know day of twelve months uh, till year old. Um, so I certainly there's fluctuation um, from from a on a micro side of things per pen per time of year, but um, I. I, I try to maintain an overall density of, you know, three to five deer per acre on the whole farm. Because it, in a sense, it's when you have those higher densities, you, you're likely having a little bit of pens that are getting rest or some sort of rest. Um, and then, you know, like after we AI, um, I'll get, I'll do the backup, you know, a couple months to a couple cycles to do, to do his business if he has to. And then I'm starting to, uh, take them does back down to maybe five or six breaker instead of that nine to 10 that I had for a short period of time prepping them for AI. Yeah. Um, um, and with my adult does, I don't see, you know, when I, when I do push that, whatever that is, eight, let's call it sometimes eight, 10 per acre for two months um, prior to AI or a month prior to AI. Um, they seem to handle that well, you know? Um, so it's not, it's not a, um, uh, it's not like every pen you're going to come here and there's, there's an acre and there's three deer. It's not, it's, it certainly fluctuates. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And I was just, I, I um, 
I do the same thing, right? Like, cause I have certain pens that are working pens where I can, you know, stage does for getting them into the barn or breeding or whatever that is. Um, and then I got pens where I can, you know, or I mostly have fawns. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm on the top side of that scale this year. Um, you know, I got basically three, three pens to, to have fawns in and it's, you know, five, four, five. Um, that's how my does are set up, but I have a pile of doe fawns that are bred. Them little girls, I can tell like they're, they got taunt bellies and, you know, starting to get bags on them. Um, so I'm hoping to get some bonus uh, bonus animals. I have like an auxiliary pen and I'll kind of work them through there. I, I have, um, and another thing that is helpful and I know, I know you have, um, you know, like a main, main raceway at your facility. I have, I got raceways in between all my pens too. And I got a big, I got a 30 foot raceway and I've been trying to like set gates up. So like I can let deer out and they can munch all that good stuff, all that fresh stuff coming up there, do a couple of days of that and then slide them back in the pen. So I'm trying to utilize as much of my space as I can, but I think we have, you know, we got somewhere between nine or 10 acres and I think we have 40, 41 deer total. So I, I going into spring, I think that's a good number because, you know, we're going to have 25 fawns, right? So by the time September rolls around, we're going to be back up to 70 animals and, you know, all those, those fawns, I'm sorry, like a 50, 50 pound fawns, not gonna, not gonna take up uh, near the space that, you know, 250 pound buck does, but you get rotation through the, through the fall, right? So you have your, you got your, um, your stocking that you're going to do and your, in your, um, in your bucks. And then, you know, you're going to call, you're going to, you're going to call some does, or at least we call some does and you're going to call some fawns off and start doing the weaning process and shift everything around. And you're back into, you know, winter and late winter coming in the next spring and you're back down at your, you know, whatever your, your carrying capacity numbers is. So. Yeah, I, I, you um, you got me thinking now because we always sit here and say, like I just said, three to five deer per acre. But like certainly you break those rules certain times of the year. But also I think it's animal Im impact to your point you just made. Mm -hmm. 50, a 50 pound fawn isn't going to have the same animal impact as a 250 pound buck. It's just yeah. it's just completely different. You know, you hear you hear guys grazing cattle and they'll talk, they're talking, you know, how many thousands of pounds per acre are they are they putting on here or this or that. So I think that's something you have to consider is, is you know, is is a 50 pound fawn considered a half an animal in a sense if in your mind or how, how are you looking at that because right now i can't get this buck pen up fast enough that we were just discussing at the beginning because um uh i think i we're gonna have 24 24 25 yearling bucks growing out and right now i have them in um about a three acre pen and it's gonna be really nice to get them in a in a four and a half five acre pen yeah they're gonna love that yeah yeah and i just think it'll it, it just it just does so much good on them as well yeah for sure um you had mentioned and, and i'll make this the the last uh management uh question for for this part of the uh the conversation sure you will <laughs> um you mentioned um calling as a as a tool for um, potentially removing not necessarily sickness, but, um, you know, maybe poor, they call them poor doers or 
just animals that um you know you maybe keep around too long you want to just talk on that a little bit more yeah i think um poor doers to use your words uh, is one aspect but also i do believe uh, like I feel like some of these does can have sickness when they're young and they can get through it and you, and you think they're fine. And, and I'm looking back at the history of our farm and seeing where we're at today. And you get those chronic coughers and every time they run, they're coughing or, or they just don't maybe shed well enough. Or maybe they do got some parasite loads that others can handle without any performance loss and some others can't. Um, I've been pretty ruthless with um removing those animals I, I just think they're such a hazard to have in your fawn pens that that i think a lot of the sickness isn't with the fawns it's with the does that are in those pens either either passing that on to them or the mutt if those th those does their fawns probably aren't getting as much of a, of a strong immune system as the other ones with superbly is that a word uh moms with superb health mm -hmm. um so you know i i want to be ruthless in that so that I, that way I, I don't have to worry about antibiotics and i think some of that's going to be genetic some might be from bad management in the past some might be genetics you know there's been lines and actually two days ago i took out two more does it was one of those things where i was kind of seeing how the winter seeing how they came in the spring and um i decided to remove them one was because of an injury one was one of the last females left in a certain female line, not so much the female line, but a specific doe. And she's had daughters over the years that just herself and them just weren't performing up to par with all my other does. And I really liked the pedigrees. So I was trying to hold on to one and like just hoping she'd come around. And it's just, she started showing some of the same uh, characteristics that her mother and, and her sisters were. And, um, it, needless to say that that grandmother doe that i called three years ago she was this doe was the last one of her offspring that we have on the farm and i'm actually it's kind of a relief you know i was hanging on for a little bit just because of pedigree um and and i've seen out of that female line i've seen great production otherwise but this specific doe out of that line just she just she just had issues and she was passing on the fawns and passing on to you know and those, those, her fawns are passing on their fawns. So it's just, it's better not, to, um, she's just a liability in my opinion to having those fawn pens, you know, I think so I, I, I try to be ruthless with the calling, you know, I, I, um, in, in my world where breeding stock is not selling breeding stock currently is not even a, um, I don't even think about it. Um, it's not an option for me, uh, on this facility. So females are not, at this point in time where I've gotten my herds, not like females are lacking. So um, whether they're going on the ranch or whether they're staying on the breeding herd, they, they need to be of superb, ideally superb health, you know, and if they don't, they get called, you know? So I, I think, I think a lot of guys, a lot of, form, everyone's different. I just, I just don't want the high maintenance that comes with trying to make a sick animal healthy again. I think, I think there's permanent damage in a lot of deer from, you know, high densities, constant movement from breeder facilities to breeder facilities. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, with, with being somewhat of a closed herd, I, um, I don't, I'm trying to remove all those issues. So I have a low maintenance herd, a low maintenance, high productive productivity or high, 
highly productive herd. Yeah, I think it's a it's a wise way to look at animals. Um, I've seen, I've seen. Well, there, I have two separate thoughts, right? So, like, you have an animal that's like maybe like got good pedigree, right? And you're you're trying to make something of it. And for most people, they just sell that to somebody else. Yeah, they just they just sell it to somebody else. Here, you have the problem. Oh yeah, she's got a great pedigree. Okay, so there's there's that and. The longer I stick around in this business, the the more grotesque I find that particular practice. Um, like they're just the, the does are what they are. But on the on the same in the same breath, like not every doe is a rock star, right? They're not all going to be perfect, right? Yes, like I think just generally speaking, we got the pedigree thing down, right? Like all our does have great pedigrees. There's like freaking 25 years of pedigrees on every doe in the market now, almost. Right. Um, the only ones that you find that don't have like longstanding pedigree are, are old. And the reason that they're old is they're from like legendary stuff. So they've yeah. solidified themselves on, on the farm. Right. Or they've proven that they can be, but like, you know, like some deer just have constant problems. Some deer are born you know, like they're born with the shits and they have the shits their whole lives. And you know what you do with those deer? Shoot them. Yeah. The longer you let them on your environment, the more problems they cause. And know? they, I, I was listening for other people. Say that again. I'm sorry. For, for, for like other deer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, it's constant. It's not just a problem for that deer. It's a problem for the other deer that have to be around it. I don't know if I was listening to a podcast or a YouTube video the other night or day or whatever it was but um it was it was cattle related um just you know i i listen to a lot of different agricultural podcasts that i just can intertwine with 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 what we do um or, or take advice and see how you can implement that on your own facilities however um the guy one guy made a great point and uh this might ruffle some people's feathers but uh he said don't name your cows and uh and, and i'm like don't name your deer i mean let's let's uh, be realistic of what we're doing here. We're not raising pets. And I think, um, you know, you got Bessie out there or you got Violet out there, whatever. Um, Violet might get sick one day and Violet might need to be called and turned into hamburger. And if your kids are, you know, hugging on Violet or calling it this, I, you know, just that's another, uh, you asked me like, what tip or advice, what advice could you give somebody? Well, don't name your deer. I like Obviously it. take that in context. I'm, I'm taking that in the, context of calling animals like yep. you, if you're okay knowing you know i just go by tag numbers that's what they are um not to take anything away from the animals you know it's just it's yep. just uh sometimes you have to get rid of problems and even on even on a health like i think we're heading in a healthier direction with the farm overall but to your point there's going to be something to have there's always going to be issues um you got to keep an eye on them it might be a lower percentage of animals that you have to call or get rid of because of health issues but the longer you keep them the more problems you're going to have you know and that goes with everything if they're not if they're not giving you fawns or they go two years in a row without fawns you know getting fawns weaned um you know they you, you just you just got to get rid of those problems to to have a more productive farm in my opinion they just cost you money they those that don't those that get other fawns sick 
or can't raise their own fawns or have fawns that don't perform or they don't perform themselves, all they do is cost you money. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the, the, yeah, I think this is important, right? Like people, I, I think, I don't know if my, my, I think my vet still questions whether I have deer at all anymore, you know, cause I, I, <laughs> I might call him around AI time and then have a little chat with him and, yep. and it's good because he, he wanted to see those improvements or he helped with some of those improvements we did too. But it's funny. Sometimes you're like, you wonder, um, they make comments to make you think like, yeah, we still have deer and we're actually growing, but you know, um, the less, the less, uh, phone calls to the vet, the better and the cheaper, you know, it is. Yeah. Hopefully, um, again, cause I, I do want to move on to another yep. topic. Um, hopefully, uh, people can take away from this particular segment, not in, uh, Jared and I are not, we're not preaching at you, not a lot, maybe a little bit. We're just, these are the things that, that we've seen, um, you know, over time. And these are the more and more that we, we see people doing these things, the more success that they have. And we're seeing that success. Um, and I've talked about what success looks like a million times. It's different for everybody, but I promise you that having healthy animals and doing that through limiting the number of animals that you have on any given space is the single greatest improvement that you can do on your farm. Um, it's the cheapest thing that you can do on your farm because it's, it's free. It just requires a little willpower, but it pays dividends long-term. And if you, if you, um, want to put yourself in a good position to thrive in the, in the deer space, um, that's a great thing to do. So, um, we'll leave management at that. I want to talk about the ranch. So let's just switch our brains around and talk about the ranch a little bit. Um, your, uh, is this your four for Powder Ridge Outfitters? 1920. We just finished our fourth hunting season. We just finished. We're not just finished. Just 2022 was our fourth hunting season. Awesome. For us. So, um, you, I, I, I know because I follow your, um, Instagram account. I know you're, you're working hard on, um, you know, making your property better. And, you know, you have timber projects. We've talked about those in the past. Um, you know, you're always working on your food plots and things like that. What has been, uh, some of the things that you've worked on this year on the ranch, um, that you're kind of excited for? Um, huh. You know, most of the work is going towards a uh, an expansion into the future, hopefully. So I've spent the last, ooh, what's, what are we in 2023? So I spent the last 12, 13 years developing in a sense, you know, but when I say me, I shouldn't say me, we have um, developing the current ranch. So it's not that there, there's no need for improvement on the current ranch, the current 550 600 acres we have we have fenced um it's just kind of maintaining it's kind of improving our food plots the way that we we do our 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 openings or you know our, our fields and whatnot um and the other the projects i'll be working on this year is increasing uh basically stand setups you know there's there's and this is more in the timber there's some areas that we're going to go in and we see the need for um some more some stands in some different spots so as, as much as it might sound like just taking a stand, moving it to here, it, it is. But then it's a it's a lot of timber work. It's going with the chainsaw, creating shooting lanes, um, making sure it's a nice, cool place to, to you know to be set up. 
mm-hmm. trying to hunt some of the animals on the property. So the, the two main projects is developing stand sites. Um, uh, I say two main projects. There's two main areas that I'm going to work on this summer once we start getting fawns on the ground and get some of the work I'm doing now around the breeding facility done. Um, uh, but the the most, yes, like what's the most exciting that I'm looking forward to? What I'm actually looking forward to isn't a management side of things. It's more, there, there's been more bucks that were born. There was more bucks born on the ranch last year than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be looking at a whole whole new crop of yearling bucks. I'm going to be looking at a decent crop of two-year-old bucks and a handful of three-year-old bucks that weren't introduced. Um, they're, they're native borns mm-hmm. out there. So um, that's been something we've been more working on with our, with our doe release program, if you want to call that, from does being tra- uh, transitioned from the breeding side of things into the ranch environment, which is basically a natural environment that they go into then. Um, we've, I believe we've seen a much higher success on those release does getting adapted to that natural environment and then having fawns from the, the year they were released and then also sub- subsequently having, you know, being bred out there and having those fawns. So um, it's, you know, we, we seen a pile of buck fawns last year on the ranch while we were hunting. And um, so that, that's an exciting part. It's, it's, it's the, the genetics are there, but you know, it's not as controlled as some of the release deer that we, that we have, you know, so it's, it's uh, I don't, I don't look at those every day. You know, I have to go sit on a stand or put trail cameras out or, you know, do some scouting to uh, um, see how those animals are performing. And um, so that's the most exciting thing because uh, it's that, that was part of our goal, you know, we want a good percentage of our animals to be born um, out on the ranch and, and seeing some of that come together is great, you know, um, and it's exciting. Um, but just like in the pens density on the ranch, which is a whole different mindset for me, but density on the ranch needs to stay in check too, because of the food sources we have out there and not, uh, not relying on a feed program to um, produce, you know, big healthy deer. While we do have a feed program, I just don't want to be relying on that. So, um in saying that our doe herd going into this fall i predict we're going to be reaching about where i want to be so we will be taking uh, a few of the does that we um we will we'll be taking a, a certain number of females off the ranch this year not a lot but you know five six six eight something like that we'll see how mm-hmm. the, the summer goes and how it looks early fall that gives a i guess an opportunity for genetic diversity you know as you remove does from the from the uh the pool you know they got some daughters out there obviously and you can also supplement if if needed um yeah we plan on supplement each year as our genetics evolve in the breeding pans we want that to transition over into the ranch so we're always putting anywhere from five to it's somewhere between five and ten a year we're we're releasing onto the ranch as well that are bred in the breeding facility and introduced onto the ranch yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, I got to make up for those numbers too. You know, I'm I'm artificially increasing the female numbers through that stocking program. So, um, you know, some got to start getting shot. Which that's right. Yeah, that's fine. They eat, they eat good, don't they? Yeah, they eat great. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you talked about an expansion, hopefully in the future. Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like? Uh, more ground in and making a bigger ranch or that's the goal um i don't want to i don't want to you know we're always looking forward trying to um certainly things could happen between now and the time of of putting poles in the ground but um it is looking like hopefully 
hopefully an expansion of somewhere between three and 500 acres um, that we're going to add to the existing 600. I say 600 and that's a breeding facility as well, but everything's attached. Um, uh, and when I say between three to 500, it's, it's just kind of where I want to lay it out. There, there's some, again, not that work's a bad thing, but some issues that we maybe want to avoid. So it might be just a hair smaller. Um, and maybe eventually making that, making the ranch all one big single unit, you know, at first we might just add, we're, cause we're going to be attaching to our existing, uh, uh, preserve if we, if we move forward. So, right. um, last couple of years we've, we've, uh, there's two big main openings. Let's call them, uh, one's about eight acres. One is currently about five acres. I'm trying to get it to six to eight acres. And these are fields, food plots, open areas. Um, for food sources, you know, and then uh, probably the next two, three years of hoping, hopefully uh, we can do a timber project that um, one focuses, focuses on cutting our fence line in. So I don't have to worry so much about trees coming down and then also going through and doing some management in some of our, some of our hardwood stands, um, both for timber improvement and for, and for food and cover for our deer and, and the other, the native wildlife that's here as well. You, uh, you said you never know what happens in between now and when poles go on the ground. I have something that I, I hope that happens, and that's the price of fence to become cheaper. So <laughs> I uh I was what the heck? Somebody posted some drill stem uh the other day that I saw. I forget who it was. It, 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 if you're listening, I'm not picking on you for the price uh, at all because I have no idea how much this stuff costs, but uh 30 foot lengths were 55 bucks. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't really want to build anything. Um, that's a, that's a lot of coin. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing what inflation will do. Um, I remember you, when know, I, you, another you, could like, buy, you could go buy those for sub a dollar a linear, linear foot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just the inflation part of it, but the, and we don't need, we, I don't want to go into this deeper, but the, on the regulation and CWD front, um, mm. you know, the five acre buck pen, four and a half acre buck pen we're putting in, um, it's, it's an extension of our perimeter of our breeding facility. And considering the amount, considering the disease outside our fence, um, we have our, anything on our perimeter of our breeding facility is double fenced and I'm not going to stop now. So double fencing it. Um, well, double fence can be, is beneficial from just outside of a disease standpoint, but that's the main reason, you know, we're double fencing that, that new extension. So it's twice the cost, you know, it, yeah. it cuts the amount of expansion I can do in half pretty much every time we try to do a project, at least try to do a project that's outside of the uh, current perimeter of our facilities. Now the ranch, we're not doing that on the ranch, but yeah, I just want to note that it was Jared this time that said CWD first on the show, <laughs> um, not myself. Yeah. So just just mark that mark that down that he he uttered the uh, the magic three letters. It's just the it's the, it's the cost that that people outside of our industry don't see that it adds to to trying to expand or try to grow your business or grow your you know grow your farm. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of good stuff coming on the uh, on the CWD front um, that I'm seeing from a regulatory standpoint. So, hopefully, yeah, uh, 
I don't know. Again, I'm I'm all in. I know you're all in. It's uh deer are deer are magical creatures and we'll uh we'll keep trying to make a living off of uh off of what they do. Um yeah, I'm certainly more optimistic. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I um yeah, I anyway, I think that's a great place to to wrap up. We'll uh we'll hop back fun for another another show throughout the summer. Maybe uh maybe we'll get a little lull in fawning. We'll get most of our fawns knocked out and we can we can have a chat again here soon. That sound good? Sounds good, man. I appreciate you coming on. And with that, stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk. <laughs>